Welcome to Leadership Conversations, a podcast by the Sustainability Board Report. Join us as we engage in conversations with business and civil society leaders, educators and advisors discussing the role of sustainable leadership in today's world. The Sustainability Board Report is an independent, not-for-profit project. We aim to showcase different dimensions of sustainable business leadership and corporate governance. We publish reports to help individual leaders, organizations and investors to understand the changing landscape of environmental, social and governance factors. Welcome to a new episode of Leadership Conversations. I'm Frederick Otto, founder and business advisor of the Sustainability Board Report. And I'm joined by Helena Gudjonsdottir, project manager at TSBR. Today, we had a great conversation with Hellebank Jorgensen. Helena, over to you. Helle has been working with us, helping as an advisor and a sounding board reading for the Sustainability Board Report. She has a wealth of knowledge on the subject of good governance, and she is leading trainings for directors and board members on what does it mean to be ESG competent. What I really liked was her attitude or her vision that it's a mindset change for directors, for leaders, and that they need to be stewards of the future, to quote her book, by sort of taking everyone on this journey with them. It's important to change your mindset, yes, but it's also about, you know, making sure your employees, stakeholders, shareholders, really know that you care about them and that you're willing to take them on this journey with you. So lastly, um, Helen shares with us a really great story about a leader or a business that inspires her. And without sharing too much about it, I think it just really shows the origin of what a sustainable business looks like. She shares with us a really nice family connection that she made there um, that even connects back to her book. So I think without further ado, we can dive into the episode. On today's episode, we feature Hellebank Jorgensen. Helle is an internationally recognized expert on sustainable business practices with a 30-year track record of turning environmental, social, and governance risk into innovative and profitable business opportunities. She works with many global Fortune 500 board members and executives, as well as smaller companies and investors. Helle is the founder and chief executive of Competent Boards, which offers online climate and ESG programs that draw on the experience of over 150 renowned board members executives and investors. Helle has been an invaluable advisor and friend to the Sustainability Board Report for a couple of years. Helle, it's a great pleasure to have you. As always, when we speak, I'm very much looking forward to our conversation today. And likewise, thank you so much for having me, Frederick. I, of course, haven't done you justice by reading out a shortened bio. I know that you also do work with NASDAQ Center for Board Excellence, World Economic Forum, His Royal Highness Prince of Wales Accounting for Sustainability Initiative, and so the list goes on. I'm not sure if there's anyone out there in the sustainable business community who doesn't know you yet, but for all of those, could you just give us a little bit of an overview again of your career and the current work that you do with Competent Boards? Thanks so much, Frederick. Well, that happens when you've been around for a long time. So I am actually a business lawyer, an accountant, an auditor by training. And as you said, I spent the past 30 years of my life helping companies get in front of ESG and climate risk and opportunities. I was behind the world's first green account, the first integrated report. And as you said, I have had the pleasure of helping so many both Fortune 500 companies, 
their leaders as well as, as the smaller companies and the investors get ahead of their peers and reap the benefits of being proactive. And I think that's proactive is what is important to me. And, and that's why I started Competent Boards and the Competent Boards movement three years ago, I guess it is now, with the support of a fantastic leaders such as Paul Pullman, Jim Hagemann-Snabe, and a few other world-renowned leaders. I found at that time that there was many board members and investors that could benefit from having better ESG and climate knowledge or getting their knowledge upgraded. I now, as you said, train hundreds of global board members and executives, as well as investors via our global ESG and climate competence boards uh, certificate and designation programs. I think you said we had a faculty of over 150 of these board members and executives and investors. And what I find is so fascinating is that this is peer-to-peer, right? So I have all of these world-renowned leaders that are joining to discuss and share their insight and their knowledge and their beliefs with other board members, uh, executives, and investors. So from my point of view, it's a fantastic job, right? Because I I get to learn from all of these directors from all over the world. Because we have that global, it means that you have all of these different people that join. So I get to hear what's happening in your neck of the world from from Singapore to what's happening in Latin America, in India, in Europe, North America, Africa, you know. All the continents, one of the things I'm saying is that we have people on from all continents apart from Antarctica, which I think probably is a good thing. So, and the other part that really makes me happy is to see the group of alumni that clearly are growing now and how they help each other. And one of the things that I'm hearing from many of them is that they now feel that they're confident in acting on ESG and, and climate uh, issues and they feel confident having the discussions with investors and and stakeholders um, as well as shareholders about their strategy and and their progress and that's one of the things where I think I wrote an article where I said that I believe that the road to a greener future is paved by education and one of the things I fear a bit at the moment is and you and I have talked about it in terms of the fantastic work you do is that it's not enough just to have a title. You need to have the insight, you need to have the foresight in order to provide that oversight. It's hard to make informed decisions if you're not really informed about the most important things that's hitting businesses and hitting the society. So long story short, that was probably a long story, but that's a bit about why I'm also doing what I'm doing. That's great, Helle. And, you know, I think you and I were both equally passionate about sustainably ESG competent boards, although obviously you have so many decades of experience. You are a very busy person, as those people who know you will attest, uh, yet you have managed to write a book, Stewards of the Future, a guide for competent boards. Uh, It has already received quite a broad acclaim from the sustainability, the corporate governance and uh, the ESG investor community. So tell us a little bit about what made you write this book. Yes, I am very, very proud and happy that the book made the Amazon bestseller list in corporate governance. I'm also very happy about the feedback I'm getting from the leaders and, and 
one of them saying, I wish I read this book 20 years ago because that would have made different decisions. And I guess that's why I started the book. I hope to reach as many leaders as possible. I think somehow, you know, with, with the ESG Composite Boards and the Climate Composite Board Certificate and Designation Programs, I can reach a lot of people. But I hope I can reach more people also with the book. And I think it's important for an in, the individual director as well as for the companies they serve, as well as for us, you, me, you know, the future, that we have leaders that understand and can act upon what I call the ABC of ESG and climate. So what I've done in the book is that I've included the wisdom of over 100 leaders, and I'm hoping that the book will give many the opportunity to learn from all of these leaders that I've had the pleasure of working with and, and learning from. And in the book, I've also included questions. So the individual leader, being that board member or executive or investor for that matter, can evaluate if they have thought about the broad ESG and climate issues that can hit, are perhaps hitting us right now and hit the company. And therefore, what are the things we need to have in place to not only you know, have the, the, the license to operate and grow, but to be seen as stewards of the future. And I think that's getting more and more important right now. I mean, we have many things that are hitting not only the boardroom, but are hitting businesses, hitting society. We need to have leaders that see themselves as stewards of the future. The two things that I really liked about the book is firstly, it really is a handbook, right? I could take that into a board session and I can use the checklist there and I can run my own little board assessment for the day. And I probably get very far, to be honest. And then, like you just said, it's that individual wisdom of all the leaders. And most people will know these are quite famous business executives or very experienced board directors. And you have a, a lot of quotes. Maybe we get some time to read one out in a second. But that combination of the handbook and that individual wisdom of all these incredible leaders, I, that really made it for me. And then I told you this before, I finished it in, in two days, which is fairly fast for me. <laughs> but Helen, there's obviously a lot of challenges that you describe in the book. If you think about which need the most urgent attention, are there any that you can pinpoint? It depends on the company strategy, where in the transition journey the company would be. And I think that's why, as you point to, I've included those questions in the board exercise in the book. So when board of directors, executives can be involved as well, had gone through that exercise, it should be, I hope, very clear which of these 11 ESG areas that I'm covering in the book that needs most urgent attention. For some, it will be climate. For others, it will be supply chain or diversity, equity, inclusion, human rights, uh, responsible use of data, cybersecurity, how better to engage with shareholders, stakeholders. What is the purpose of not only the company, but what's the purpose of the board of directors? What is it that we want to do for leaving this company in a better place when we're not here anymore? but not only for the company, also for the society that we are part of. So I can't really say start there. But for me, I think it is to have impact. And I know, you know, all of those people that are going through the certificate and designation programs, 
you know, they are telling me how much the mindset is changing the way that they are making decisions and therefore making hopefully better decisions, not only for the companies, but also for themselves. And what I'm hoping with the book is that, you know, go through that the exercise, that it will also be that mindset. So it's not a silo. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. But it is having a mindset that can help that company drive forward. I'm still trying to get it out of you now. Do you have a favorite chapter? Is there a favorite piece that you enjoyed when you were writing the book or anything you were reminiscing about a particular part when you were putting pen to paper? All in all, I think it's a hard one. I, I think actually now what I find is my favorite, and that is to see the praises from all of these leaders that have read it and find that they get so much insight. And it's everyone from, oh, we mentioned Paul Pullman before, I think, but Martin Wolf from Financial Times, Chad Holiday, and a lot of other leaders who are praising the book, but not just, oh, this is a good book, but the value that it is giving to them. <laughs> That's the right answer. Helle, I have two favorite chapters. That's uh, actually the last two one, chapter 10 and 11, which is uh, what stakeholders want, but are not getting. And uh, stewards of the future, of course. And if you don't mind, I quickly want to read out the quote from chapter 10 by Jane Diplock, the chair of the Abu Dhabi Global Market Regulatory Committee and a director of the Venue Reporting Foundation. And the quote is, stakeholder concerns are shareholder concerns. The increasing focus by investors, consumers, and other stakeholders on sustainability is directly influencing value creation. Can you talk a little bit about that investor piece? How has the narrative changed there? And what are the topics that investors want to talk about? We started the Compass and Boards movement back in 2019 during uh, World Economic Forum in Davos. And I think you and I have talked about that at that point, there was not that many that thought that this was a good idea, that board of directors should care about ESG and climate. But we started to see at that point, Larry Fink with his uh, CEO letter, uh, sense of purpose to what you're seeing now. And proxy season here in 2022 is going to be very interesting. We are seeing not only the Black Rocks, the State Streets, the Aviva, ISS, Glass Lewis. I mean, they are all now coming up and saying, well, we probably will not vote for you, dear board members, if you do not have diversity in the boardroom. I think it was either ISS or Glass Lewis or both of them said, you know, if, if there's no diversity, I'm not going to vote for the chair and perhaps not vote for any of the board members in, in the nomination committee talk about climate, clearly a big one, human rights, you may name it. The list is just getting longer and longer. And what's going to be very interesting, of course, to see all of the asset managers and proxy advisors are saying, and other things, of course, what will happen. But if we look at the trends, I think we will see that there will be more and more shareholder proposals. My hope is that we actually will not have that many shareholder proposals because we are going to see, hopefully, that board of directors companies have that proactive mindset and actually have that ongoing dialogue. This is not you know, once a year dialogue. This is a dialogue you need to have an ongoing basis. And I think that's what Jane is saying and, and also what a lot of other people are saying. 
So it's again, a different mindset that we had not that long ago where it was like, okay, I'll give you information if you ask for it. That narrative is changing as we speak. Yeah, I agree with you. I think this year's proxy season is going to be very interesting. More and more ESG activism arising, obviously. The big example from last year with Engine Number 1 and Exxon Mobil. See what's going to happen this year. Chris James from Engine Number 1 is part of the faculty of Competent Boards and had the pleasure of interviewing him. And so we're sharing his insight as well. And again, how do we ensure that we get the best companies, not only for the few, but also for uh, the many? And how do we not think as short-term, but start thinking long-term and start thinking about value creation and being stewards of the future? So um, yes, it will be very fascinating to see what's happening. The book is out, uh, Helle. Not sure if there's a second one in the pipeline. Any projects or initiatives that you are planning for this year? Yes, yes, yes. You're not the first that have indicated that, oh, there must be book number two. Yes. Okay. I have also have a lot of people saying, oh, you were just in time. And I'm like, yes, I've been working on this for 30 years. So, but having said that, we are constantly updating our program materials. I'm interviewing all of these leaders, almost going to say the best leaders in the world. There's probably many more, hopefully, and I'm learning from them. So perhaps there will be another book, but not this year. So for now, I'm writing a lot of articles. I'm doing a lot of interviews. I'm doing a lot of board training, of course. We have both our, our program, but also more bespoke for different companies, for private equity uh, companies. So there's a lot going on at the moment. And, and at the end of the day, I hope that that will have that impact also on, let's face it, you're on my uh, own pension savings and, and retirement plans, although you're too young to think about that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like to think that as well, but unfortunately the paper tells otherwise. <laughs> Now, le learning from leaders, that is also my favorite part of my role. And of course, we learned a lot from you, Helle. And I, I want to get to my two favorite questions. And yet again, we want to learn uh, more from you. But first of all, this is the kudos question. Can you talk about a favorite story of a particular leader or organization that had a big impact on yourself or society at large? Oh, my as I said, I've been on this for 30 years. So I could point to when I first started doing this first green account in the world. Uh, I could s talk about the first integrated report in the world or the work I did for Unilever or Nike or Maersk or Ørsted or Vestas. Well, I've been involved in so many fantastic transitions and I've had, I think, a, a chance to influence many of them. But perhaps one that I have not been involved in but I really have impacted me uh, and, and so many others are interface. I had the chance of, of meeting the late Ray Anderson and I was fascinated. Ray Anderson said at some point, in the future, people like me will go to jail for plundering the earth. Many were saying, well, I mean, this is the cost of business. That's pollution. But what he did and what his vision and how he put that into work. And, you know, if you look at, at interface and regenerative business practices, I mean, he was just so far ahead of his time, unfortunately, or no, that's not true. The rest of us are behind. 
I reached out and was introduced to his grandson, and uh, his grandson actually reviewed um, the book and wrote a what do you call that a, a praise for the book. That is amazing. If I may, if I can find it, should I read that up? Absolutely. And probably for those listeners who don't know uh, who Ray Anderson is, he had a carpet company, was it? Yes, that is true. So it was carpet company, and he started saying we're using so much, you know, materials, etc. And I remember I when I started learning about them, I found it fascinating because he started doing carpet tiles. So instead of, I mean, from a very economic point of view, he started saying, okay, why do we change the full carpet? Why not change only that part of the carpet that need, needs to be changed for less cost? You don't need to move everyone out of the room, et cetera, et cetera. But from there on, they, they really started to have on a journey of reducing, say, everything from waste, carbon footprint, and, and actually reach their the, the targets far, far ahead. So I don't know, Frederick, if we can share more. I, I write a bit about them in the book as well. Well, here's I, another reason for people to find the book. <laughs> but Helle, you know what? This is the second time we are getting the answer at this stage of the podcast. Andrew Winston, who wrote Net Positive with Paul Pullman, also mentioned Ray Anderson. So he clearly is an icon of sustainable business and was much loved at the time when he was really a trailblazer. Exactly. And I said, I, I just had the chance of meeting, you know, and he had that conviction, that passion, but at the same time, very business. But he showed that it's possible to do this and, and be a steward of, of the future, not to put that on him. Excellent. Lastly, Helen, and, and this is a difficult one because we're asking for just one piece here. But if you could give our listener this one piece of advice that they could add to their leadership toolkit and start applying today to set them up for more positive societal impact, whether these are business leaders or board directors or investors, one particular piece of advice that you would give, start doing now? Show you care. Make sure that your current, your future stakeholders, employees, suppliers, customers, shareholders know that you care about their future. In the book as well, I'm, I'm having this say, apply the seven generation principle. That's an indigenous principle that the decisions you make today will keep the world in a sustainable state seven generations from now. And what better closing? Helle, thank you so much for coming on. You have found the quote. Okay. So Helle have... has just gotten the book and has found the quote from Ray Anderson's son. Let's hear it. Well, actually, grandson. Okay, that's John Lanier, executive director of the Ray C. Anderson Foundation, so the grandson. And, and he wrote, if businesses are willing to look to the horizon, they will see a wave forming. It is made up of multiple sharpening challenges, from cries for social justice to global pandemics to the climate crisis. When that wave crests in a matter of years, not decades, it will drown many businesses who are threading water in the status quo. Some, however, might just learn how to catch the wave and help solve these challenges. For corporate directors, this book is your surfboard. Read it and then start paddling. And that's Stewards of the Future, a guide for confident boards by Helle Bank-Jorgensen. And you can get that 
on Amazon, I suppose, or wherever you get your books from. Thanks so much, Helle, for coming on once again. This was really a great conversation. As always, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you, Frederick, again, for all you do. You're a big, big part of all of this. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership Conversations. To follow our work and learn more about our reports, please check out our website, boardreport.org, and sign up to our newsletter. You can also find us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Details can be found in the podcast description.